everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the JHAM Special, where I talk about Magic the Gathering, Warhammer 40k, Dungeons & Dragons, and other aspects of my nerdy life. Today's episode is another Tavern Tuesday. I'm going to go over some Dungeons & Dragons with you, and I want to talk to you a little bit about different factions and quest building. I'm going to go over some easy methodology for you to use if you're making a homebrew quest or just a homebrew faction, and some of the easy tips and tricks you can at least start off with to really build and develop your story and just your world overall. The importance of having factions in your world is going to be detrimental to actually filling it. It makes it a little bit easier for you, um, not just to make quests, but also just to actually put people out in the world. And it makes things a little bit more streamlined when you are creating different NPCs or characters for your players to interact with. So I'm going to jump into the few different ways that I would recommend you actually go and build some factions uh, for your very first D&D world or maybe a new one that you're looking to build and see how this methodology works. But we're going to go ahead and listen to a word from our sponsors and then we'll jump into the meat of things. And welcome back. So those of you that are not familiar with what a faction is when it comes to role-playing games, be it on tabletop role-playing games or even video games like Skyrim and the such, factions are effectively different groups or classes of people that are put together that usually have a common goal or denominator that makes it easy to tell them apart. For instance, like in Skyrim, you have the Stormcloaks and the Imperials. Um, You can tell easily that they have a color scheme they're going for, that their weapons and armors have very specific um, kind of shapes to them, and the people that are serving in them make a huge difference. The Witcher has different factions. You have the Nilfgaard, and you have the armies of the north. Or in Warhammer, you have the different factions or armies. You have the Imperium of Man, you have Chaos, you have Xenos. There are tons of different factions throughout the world, uh, not just in our world, but also in the fictional worlds that are developed for any kind of media source. What I would recommend for your very first campaign that you're getting started off with is I would recommend keep it simple for yourself. If you're not just going to go with one faction, what I would recommend is do at least three factions. That's right, we're using my favorite rule, the rule of three, this time for Dungeons and Dragons around the factions. Now, what I would recommend you do is you have one local faction, and then you should have two factions who are at odds. Um, now, they can be local, they can be regional, or they can be a world faction. Now, what do I mean? What I mean by this? A local faction is somebody that is literally just local. Like the very specific place you are at is where you're going to be able to find them. And the biggest thing when it comes to local is what you do now can easily sway them. You know, people can idolize you and love you so much if you go through and you save the blind man's sheep, but they could hate you if you go and you burn down their tavern. They may like you if you've saved the blacksmith's son. They may hate you if you um, actually cast a necromancy spell, raising an undead grandmother. Now, I know a couple of those are a bit extreme, but literally by doing one thing, that can sway the opinion that the local people will have on you when it comes to the faction. One of the easiest factions that I would say to develop is actually just the faction of the people that you are uh, serving around. So like for instance, if you are using the local faction for like a hamlet, you may have the local farmer group, or you may have just the local people that are there that, that consists of your merchant and your barkeep, and then maybe a local reeve. Uh, it's really up to you to decide on how in-depth you want it to be. You could be having it as simple as just a family for like a local faction, or you can have it into a small little tamlet, hamlet or a town. 
Another example of a local faction could be like the town guard. You're only going to be able to really find these town guardsmen at this specific town. You're not going to find them in a town that's on an entirely different island. You're not going to find them in a town that is across this this current region that you're at or a different town or village you're going to find it specifically here so like the white run guards from skyrim again you're not going to find white one right run guards in solitude or in windhelm you're going to find them specifically in white run but the thing to keep in mind is when you think local think easy to sway easy to sway as far as they like you easy to sway as they don't um, the reason why I say have at least one local faction is this faction should give the players um, decisions, agency in your world. So if the players do go and do a very small task or they do something big, you want this local faction to praise them and know about them. Um, now, if you're a brand new ragtag group of ventures that have never done anything before for anybody else people are probably not going to know you even on the local level. But the moment that you go out and you defeat a giant snake in the forest, the people are probably going to know who you are or at least know about you. It makes it easy to do a task like that, which would be, you know, inconsequential for like a king or a lord of an island or something. But this local group may find this really big. Then you have the regional factions and the world factions. Regional factions, they're going to be specific to a region. Um, so rather than just a single town, it could be a group of towns or it can be a local manor that a baron has or a local kind of the local lands that a king owns. Um, they may know you all around this region. They may know you to the island. They may just know you to like a neighborhood or something if you're playing a, like a more modernized game. Um, these people are no longer just one small group that's easily swayed by one thing, but rather a group that you may see around a couple different places. Um, something easy to think about there would be maybe a, a cult or a thieves guild. A thieves guild will most likely be regional because they'll be at a local level and that's probably where you meet them first, but you may go to another town and that same thieves guild that were, was where you were at will probably be at this new place too. It's still the same faction, may still have the same leadership structure, but it gives the players more opportunity to interact with this regional group. And then finally, world. Um, world is these huge, massive groups. Think of governments, um, like even in the world we're in right now. The government is huge. It's known throughout the world. You may not know a small little island um, from another one down in the different tropics areas, but you definitely know who the U.S. is. You know where Britain is. You know where Africa is. Think about that scale that when you're playing D&D, the world factions are known across the world. And it's easy to say, hey, yes, this king of this giant group of lands or these giant groups of islands is well known. Um, this faction that is a massive church that's devoted to a specific deity that maybe they go on crusades or maybe they're just well known throughout the land that would be considered a world faction world factions can also just be a faction that is found throughout the world they don't even have to necessarily have to be well known um but they should have circles all over the place think of like a underground cult that's like a doomsday cult literally trying to end the world well their aspirations are world so chances are they're probably going to have different places throughout the world that they can be found or located think of like hydra and um in the marvel movies hydra for spoilers like i don't know how long hydra's been out and about but they're literally integrated through all kinds of different um, cities and worlds and locations same thing with cult 
you may have a cult that spans the entire world. This will be an opposition that the players will get to know very well, know them on an intimate level. And the only way that any change is going to happen with the um, different world factions is if your player, if, if your player characters are actual big players in the game. So, for instance, a Dragonborn from Skyrim is a big player in the game. These factions will most likely know of them and will most likely listen to them or consider them a giant threat. That's how you want your players to be seen with these world factions is that if your players go and slay a giant snake or kill one cultist, it's not going to make too big of, you know, a wave. But if they're going through and just toppling holdouts or settlements or, um, you know, charging down and burning giant cities, then yeah, they're a major player. There's some, they're a threat that should be reckoned with and keep that in mind for the world factions. Now again, here's three things that you can do to make a faction. Regardless if you choose local, regional, or world, what I would recommend is make at least one of the three factions you go with, if not the main faction you go with, be a regional one. The reason I say regional is because it's gonna make it really easy for your players to get familiar with these people, have that agency that will follow them if you're planning on doing multi-city or multi-village, you know, campaigns but honestly you can just go local if you're playing local and all your sessions are going to take place in the same local area then just do one local faction to get started off with but if you're planning elaborate you know larger campaigns then have maybe a couple local but for sure one regional faction that your players can deal with and when you build them regardless on what size the faction is what they're going to need is they're going to need a champion or hero who also has some underlings or grunts that are gonna follow their orders. They need to have a purpose, a mission, or a driving force behind their actions and why they are the way they are. And then finally, I would highly recommend this, that they have a symbol or a signet or some kind of sign or color scheme that makes them easily identifiable to the rest of your um, players and the world. And why I love these guys is the fact that it's easy to make quests tied to them. So if you're wanting to do a bunch of one shots, if you're doing a major campaign, it's easy to make those quests. Other times you can go through and you give, um, you kind of give the players and groups the ability to interact with them. It makes it easy to make NPCs because once you know the purpose and the driving force and even the color scheme of what they wear, it makes it easy to say, hey, this guy is a part of this specific cult or this guy is a part of this specific town guard or army or something along those lines. And then also it helps players gain rewards, be it at their faction specific loot that they can get or if there's that reputation, if they're regional, the players makes a bigger impact for them to try and do better to have that good reputation and the social experience or you can just have the normal experience you know be it from getting experience from quests or possibly having like a homebrew stat or a skill they can learn from this specific faction so with that i'm going to go on to the next part and this will be the final part where i talk to you about an example using all of my rules here So I'm going to talk to you about just a quick faction I whipped up using those three steps. The faction name is going to be the Cleansing Fire and they're regional factions. They're going to be known kind of throughout the lands. They're not going to be known across the world, um, but they are well known across multiple just towns and villages. They are based out of St. Lambden's Church. They are, there are different apostles of the Cleansing Fire are sent out to purge the undead and demonic in the name of their goddess Cathil. A majority of their members, they are adorned with white and red, and then also have a symbol of praying hands set aflame. 
And then as of right now, Inquisitor Rorik, he's one of their um, best well-known champions or heroes, is on a crusade with his burning apostles in the name of Cthil. So right there, those are three things that give you a premise. You know, kind of a location, but also like how big they are, their local, regional, or world. Um, you know kind of what their focus is on. They're focused on eliminating the undead and demonic and then stopping anybody that's looking to bring those forces to the world. Um, you know what they kind of look like. So if you see people dressed up in red and white, you can automatically start assuming, okay, there's a pattern here. Are they part of the cleansing fire? Um, and then if you see their you know, holy symbol of the praying hand set of flame, then yeah, you can definitely confirm that. And then of course, you know a champion. This is a named NPC that you can use. You can either make him a larger guy that the players may never see, maybe just hear tales of, or you can make him somebody that they actually have to deal with on a personal level, maybe on one of their first adventures. And then it makes it easy to say, okay, well, I have the, this group. What can I do that is the opposite? Or what can I do that would oppose them? So then maybe I want to do maybe a local cult. So this is just somebody that's not well known. They're not across the world or anything. But maybe the whole reason that the cleansing fire was sent to this little local area was to actually take on this cult and purge them. So then you can use the same thing. You can think, okay, I got a name. And then I've got a reason why the cult's there, probably to summon the undead or summon a demonic force. You, they're maybe clad in black robes and maybe have um, silver, like silver lockets um, that they all share. And then and create, you know, just a basic person that's leading the cult, um, Father Atias. Let's just say there's that's his name. And he's got different uh, cultists that follow him. And there you go. Now you have, boom, two factions right there. You made one, and then you made an opposing one. Made it really easy, and now you can build a quest out of that pretty stinking easily, if not multiple quests. And then, of course, the local, just regional group, that's where you can throw that in there and have your players interact with the uh, small townsfolk. So I appreciate you guys checking in. Hopefully the example made sense. Hopefully what I told you made sense too. And for those of you that are aspiring DMs, I really hope you enjoyed this Tavern Tuesday to help you kind of understand the basics of how I'm making factions. And hopefully I made it a little less scary for you. You literally just have to start off there and then just start building off of that. Um, if you guys want to go into quest structure or other ways that I develop um, quests or NPCs or anything, please let me know. Hit me up at thejhamspecial at gmail.com or thejhamspecial on Twitter um, or the Ham on just about other, every other social media platform and gaming platform there is. So until the next time, you guys have a good rest of your day and we will talk to you later. Mm -hmm.